Welcome to Parenthood Pals. I'm Caleb Hoyer. And I'm Melissa Fyatt Johnson. And as promised, season six is going to be chock full of some of our favorite guests we've had before. And who better to kick off our parade of favorites (laughs) than my sister, Lindsay Martin. Yay. Thank you. Hey, guys. Hey, pals. So Lindsay is both already a member of the Three Timers Club. Yes. And this is her third solo appearance. That's right. Because her third time on was a joint appearance with our other sister, Jay. So happy third slash fourth (laughs) appearance. Thanks. If we can call an audio only podcast an appearance. Isn't it an appearance if you can't be seen? I don't know. I I think so. I think so. That's like the riddle from the very first episode of Are You Afraid of the Dark? I mean, it's not actually, but (laughs) I'm so tired that I'm like, oh, and if we don't get it right, we die. That's what happened. (laughs) That's what happened in Are You Afraid of the Dark, the very first one. What was the riddle? Oh, it was something like, What is it that has no weight, can be seen by the naked eye, and if you put it in a barrel, it would make the barrel lighter? A hole. It's a hole. You got it. Yes. Yes. Yeah. This is why we have her back. (laughs) That's right. Look at that. (laughs) Look at that quick brain, man. Insights like these. That's right. That's right. She would have broken the curse of the like dead <laughs> taxi driver that <laughs> crashes people and makes them go. Nobody has to remember. die. It was weird. Anyway, let's talk about this show. <laughs> <laughs> well, oh. let's. I mean, <laughs> we are all such pros here. We know the yeah. drill. That's right. Waste no time. Do it to it, Kathy Pruitt. <laughs> so... We're talking about Parenthood Season 6, Episode 2, Happy Birthday, Zeke. It was written by Sarah Watson, directed by Lawrence Trilling. It originally aired on October 2nd, 2014. And here's the TV Guide synopsis. Christina attempts to meet the needs of her students at Chambers Academy, while Adam deals with a lunch vendor who suddenly quit his job. Elsewhere, Zeke faces a difficult health decision. Sydney has trouble at school, prompting Joel and Julia to visit with her teacher, and Sarah tries to figure out how she feels about Amber's news. So every time we've had Lindsay on before, she has remarked, at least off mic, I don't know if this was ever in the podcast, how she happens to be on for episodes of Parenthood that have little to no parenting storylines. And so as we were perusing season six, which neither of us remembered in great detail, Mm -mm. we saw in a synopsis somewhere something about Sydney has a bullying crisis at school. And we're like, that's parenting. (laughs) We're like, Lindsay. Yeah. So I thought that we would start with the parenting storyline, which actually ends up not being so much about parenting (laughs) anyway, but still. Yeah. So they hear that Sydney has been getting bullied at school and they go in to meet with the teacher and they learn the truth. Well, what exactly did Sydney say has been happening? Just that Sydney's been, uh, you know, picked on a little bit. Which I understand it happens, you know, jealousy or whatever. Mr. and Mrs. Graham, I'm not sure you have a clear picture of what's happening here. Naldi is the girl Sydney was talking about. Mm -hmm. Sydney has zeroed in on her. She's been quite aggressive about excluding her. Uh, Sorry. um, (laughs) So Sydney's picking on Melody? I know that kids will be kids and all of that, but when it comes to matters of bullying... Bullying? 
What happened? It started when one of Cindy's friends invited Melody to eat lunch with them. Cindy wouldn't allow it. What do you mean she wouldn't allow it? Melody's a little on the heavy side, and Cindy said that Melody shouldn't even be eating lunch. Now she's telling everyone not to speak to her. And you, you saw this? Yes. As you can imagine, Melody is, well, she's despondent. Her parents kept her home from school yesterday. She was so upset. I'm, I'm sorry, this is not, this is not how our daughter behaves. I'm, I'm, I don't, I don't even know what to say. If there's something going on at home that I should know about? No. It's been a, a tough year. You know, every family has its troubles, but we're fine. We're currently separated and, um, I think the kids are a bit rattled by it. I know how tough this must be. Yeah, thank you so much for bringing this to our attention. We will do our best to handle it. It was really nice meeting you, Miss Reese. I'm sorry that you have not seen a better side of Sydney because she's a great girl. Thank you. Julia must be a good lawyer because I thought that she didn't actually say anything bad, but the whole tone of how she said it completely shut the conversation down. Yeah. This is over. So before we get into the Joel-Julia ramifications, which I feel like was the actual point of this storyline, Lindsay, yeah. how would you handle <laughs> something like this with your kids? I have a hard time believing they would ever bully someone, but I guess most parents would. Yeah. yeah. Well, I appreciate that they did not just take Sydney's word for it. Like, I have a tendency to believe my own children, but, you know, I feel like they asked good questions. You know, Joel was like, have you saw this? Or like, this was third, you know, secondhand information. And you know, she said yes. And they didn't try to argue with her about it. I feel, I really yeah. feel for teachers today who were like, no, <laughs> that didn't happen. <laughs> and I'm maybe Thanks, so Lindsay. far on the other, well, and I'm maybe too so far that. on the other end too that I'm like, um, I, why would a teacher make that up about yeah. you just to bring you in here? So you can try to tell me it didn't happen, but you know, at least up to a certain age, yeah. I'm just going to believe the teacher Yeah. <laughs> when they, yeah. when they say they saw it happen, mm -hmm. you know, I would definitely give my kids the benefit of the doubt to be like, please tell me in your words, what happened. Yeah. Um, and they know ramifications of lying, you know, yeah. lying makes everything worse. People make mistakes, just tell the truth. So I did appreciate that. And this is maybe jumping ahead, but like when they sat down to talk to her about it. So we heard about what happened with Melody at school. Mm, I don't know what you're talking about. Mrs. Reese told us that, uh, that you weren't too nice to her, that you said some things. That's not true. I don't think she'd make it up, but My teacher is a liar. She hates me. Sydney, listen, we're not mad, all right? We want to talk to you. If anything, we're worried, and we want to help you figure out what you're upset about I'm or not what's upset. happening. Okay. Sydney, Sydney we're, listen, we're just confused. We're trying to figure out what this is all about. Why okay? are you both ganging up on me? We're not ganging up on we Sydney. just Why we want to talk to you about this. Anymore. Sydney, don't talk to your father Sydney. like that. We want to help you figure out what you're upset about. I'm not upset. Okay, calm down. No, I don't want to calm down. Why don't you go back to your terrible apartment? I hate you. I hate both of you. You know, you could tell as soon as they said anything about it, it's like, that's not true. <laughs> like, yeah. that immediately escalated the whole conversation. Yeah. Yeah, and I thought she tipped her hand there because it's like, 
Oh, yeah. You don't even know what they're, you know, what if they were about to say, say. she told us you were getting picked on. Oh, wait. Yeah, that is true. Well, what were you, (laughs) you know, but yeah, good point. Now, Lindsay, I've heard you talk to all your kids. Well, maybe not your baby because she's so small, but (laughs) remind me what you call it. But you have like a family sort of like code of ethics that they like can recite back. Yeah. What do do you call a list? It was just our family rules. It's a list of 10 rules that they know. Uh, We haven't done them in a long time because they, you know, been blessed with very good kids (laughs) and we don't have to, um, we haven't had to really go over them a lot in a long time, but one of them is tell the truth. You know, it starts with watch out for other people, be kind and tell the truth, you know? So those would definitely be ones that if we were in that situation, we'd be like, what, what rules do you think this is, you know, so that they, we've got something concrete to fall back on. Like, Hey, in this situation, how do you think you maybe weren't following all the rules and letting them kind of talk it out and figure it out for themselves. They can realize rather than just, oh, they said not to do this. They can realize how it applies and can maybe think about that in the future. I think it's so smart. Cause I was thinking about them while watching the episode, because like when, when they talk to her later and they say, we aren't mad. I, at first I was like, you're not that (laughs) your daughter is bullying someone. But I thought they haven't heard her side of it yet. And I do think, you know, from your parent, you want to have an open line of communication. And if it's more an issue of, if you have expectations set in place before the behavior, then it's not just, well, you behaving that way made me angry. It's, what rules did you break here or violate or fall short of? And it's not a surprise. Yeah. And then it comes back to tell the truth. You know, we say it all the time. It always gets worse when you lie. You know, people make mistakes. And if you just come clean and be like, this is what I did, even if you don't even know why you did it. If you just say, here's what happened. This is honestly what happened. I'm sorry. Okay. Well then we'll figure out a, a place to go from here. Yeah. But we can't, if you're continuing to choose to lie about it, because it's choice at that point to not tell the truth, that just makes it worse. Boy, that applies to Julia and Ed. Yeah. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> exactly. Tell me right now, did anything happen? No. Nope. Lie. Man. Exactly. Well, it does make me think like, wouldn't, maybe it's not something so formal as like, official family rules but like wouldn't they have taught her some of this like not to bully like not to you know mock a girl for her weight like I mean but then I'm like I don't know then I wonder like to what degree are things kind of like do do parents sometimes drop the ball because they're like oh she would just know not to do that you know and and then I'm like you can't prepare kids for every single thing right I think that as a teacher like there are so many times someone does something wrong that I just simply had not anticipated, you know, so I hadn't told them that. And so I thought it was really illuminating at the end of the episode, speaking of just like getting ahead, that Julia's looking up bullying like online, you know, like maybe this really isn't something that they've talked to Sydney about before. And so she's like maybe humbling herself by the end and learning like, how should I be handling this? Maybe we didn't prepare her for this. I don't know. It makes me wonder if the dynamics in a single child household are different too. Mm. You know, she was by herself for so long. A lot of things that we get on our kids about are things they're doing to each other, you know, being unkind to each other or not looking out for Austin 
or, you know, they'll hit each other and then run away. You know, we see it happen because there's more than one child here. Uh, in Sydney's case, you know, how she interacts with other kids may not have been as in their face as it is when you have multiple kids because Victor just came along and clearly they had their issues, but there, you know, maybe wasn't yeah. a whole set before Victor came along. You are making me realize that this was super foreshadowed because we've seen <laughs> Sydney pick on Victor all the time, like call him yeah. stupid and, and like, why can't you read? Why were you held back? Like just really mean shit. You know, your mom doesn't care about you. So now that I'm thinking about it, this is really good writing that they're just like, you know, Sydney talks this way to her brother. She probably talks to other people this way. Maybe we should pull that thread, you know, and just see what happens storyline wise. And maybe that does mean that they haven't done a very good job of disciplining her when she does that as we know when sydney said your mom doesn't even love you to victor two seasons ago julia responded by kissing all over sydney and wanting victor uh to go back you know to not be her son and i don't know that they ever disciplined her for saying that i don't know if they ever knew she said well that. you're you're also leaving out that in between those events he threw a bat through a window <laughs> yeah you're right but, I, I mean your point is still valid yeah sorry i just like found a narrative and i just ran <laughs> and went with it <laughs> you're right the bat through the window but, but now what do you think i mean they're obviously tying this to she's going through difficulty in her life so she's lashing out What's the actual connection there, do you think? Like, is it Sydney feels in pain, so she's inflicting pain on others as a way of, like, lessening it, or at least... If I'm going to be miserable, so are other people. Yeah, I'm going to spread it around. Or the same way, I, and it's not the same, but, you know, just looking for something to control. You know, she can't control anything that's going on at home, but she can control this girl's day. Because mm. I'm going to make you feel like absolute dog shit while you're at school and there, <laughs> you know, I controlled I <laughs> something. Yeah. It's a wow. win. Yeah. Oh, and then they said it was about seating at lunch. You know, if Sydney has a group that is consistent and then suddenly this person wants to join could also be like what my family dynamic is changing and how I can't even get the same group at lunch. This person's coming in. No. And I often think, you know, when you're trying to be mean, you you latch on to any feature of someone that you can make fun of. And so, like, well, if the girl who wants to get in here that I don't want in here is fat, I'm going to make fun of her weight. And I'm she may have no issue with people's weight at all, but it's that makes you different, and I'm going to hit you there. Wow. I do it whenever I get road rage. <laughs> like, if it's a woman driver, I have no problem with women, but I'm like, you bitch. You know, oh I, I just go right for what can I... You know, no. not proud and of it. Going back to what you said, <laughs> I just I just thought about this. But you talk about somebody new coming into the group. We know how much she resented Victor yeah. because she thought yeah. him coming into the group ruined the whole dynamic. And mom and dad are separated because you came in. Yeah. And this my family at school is not going to be ruined by this other person coming in. Damn. I mean, that might be a little deep. But no, but I think it all adds up to her world is in a state of upheaval right now. Lots of yeah. stuff is changing. And she's only nine, ten. I mean, that is that difficult. Is young. Yeah. I just I don't know. I have a hard time with the idea that she is I, I thought it was a really interesting choice for the show to be specific about what she had done. I'm glad 
the show was specific because I think if it, they'd been vague, like, oh, she's being kind of mean to this little girl, I think it would be very easy to just shove it under the rug and be like, oh, but she's in pain. It's okay. And I'm like, God, they gave this girl a name. Well, you know, we don't meet Melody, but I'm like, what, what, stop making fun of Melody's weight. You know, and they, they <laughs> you know, I found myself just really feeling for this girl that I don't know because I thought it just felt especially cruel. And I sort of weirdly admired the show for doing that because it doesn't put Sydney in a very good light. And I'm glad that the three of us here are talking and are like really looking for reasons that I think are very good to explain her behavior. But it doesn't make her behavior okay. And yeah, it doesn't excuse it. No, certainly not. And I just thought, wow, the show's really risking us thinking less of this girl or like, you know, just, I don't know. I thought it was a, a kind of a bold choice because I really, that never sat right with me the whole rest of the episode. Even Julia looking up, bullying online i'm like that's the resolution what's sydney's consequence who's talking to her about how this isn't okay i'm like god you guys never resolve anything in your marriage and you don't resolve anything as parents either i don't know that really bothered me that we didn't see what happened with this you know that they tried to talk to her once and she flipped out and that's it you know Mm -hmm. i guess i'll research it on the internet what is happening now yeah yeah what What? are we doing about this that's right I also admired the show for because I I realized like I think they were just looking for some event to bring Joel and Julia together yeah and it seems like the easier event would be if Sydney was getting picked on yeah certainly then you sympathize Yeah. yeah yeah But I think it's actually really smart because I feel like that's a kind of problem they could tackle separately pretty well. Yeah. Just support her. Yeah. And comfort her. You can do that on your own. But if she is causing problems, that's an actual concern. Like, oh, this is behavior we need to stop, which means we need to have a strategy and we need to be on the same page about it. This is not just when she stays with you, pat her on the back and say, I'm sorry, honey. Yeah. Nope. yeah. It's got to be something more uh, deliberate. And is this our fault because of our issues? You yeah. know, like to what degree have we caused this? And I think Julia getting up and walking out essentially of that meeting really shines a light on to what degree she might feel guilty, especially since we do see her look it up later. Like it must be wearing on her to some degree. But, you know, like I wonder if just being a lawyer, you know, she's got kind of a mean streak sometimes. I don't mean to say lawyers have mean streaks. That was a terrible connection. But, you know, she probably does have to be sort of cutthroat sometimes. And I remember way back season one when she makes that sort of snide comment about Raquel, like she doesn't even work. You know, I I think that Julia sometimes doesn't have a problem cutting down other women, which seems to be what Sydney is emulating, you know. Oh. That's interesting. I was going to say an alternate interpretation of her getting up and walking out is maybe not her feeling guilty, but her completely blaming Joel. Yes. And saying, Mm. I didn't cause this. That's well, I'm not yeah, going to sit here and listen as, to how messed up my daughter is. It's his she fault. She was embarrassed because she got real uncomfortable after he said they were separated. Mm-hmm. Like she didn't want anybody to know their business. Yeah. yeah. And like I told you, Caleb, that that really bothered me because I'm like, you're the one sitting here <laughs> with no wedding ring and sleeping with somebody else, but your husband can't tell people that you're separated. Yeah. Like what? <laughs> 
I don't understand. (laughs) And at the beginning of that scene, I didn't include this in the clip, but she says, I understand that you told my husband, or Joel. Yeah. And she corrects herself, which he is still technically her husband. Yeah. And then I also, I admired the show for when the, the teacher called them Mr. and Mrs. Graham. I'm glad that they didn't say, oh, no, 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 we're not. Because I feel like that's kind of a cliche. Although maybe not so much with a couple currently <laughs> with their marriage falling apart. It's more in like <laughs> Ross and Rachel, you know, yeah. seasons after they ever yeah. dated. Someone says, oh, you'll be so happy living here together, husband and wife. Oh, we're not married. Yeah. yeah. We're just having a um, baby. Anyway, that's yeah. Ross and Rachel. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So... What did you make of Julia's diagnosis of this situation? Julia, we need to talk. Yeah, um, I'm working with the kids tonight on Grandpa's birthday present, so we can talk to her tomorrow night. No, I'm not talking about Sid. We have to talk about us, about what we're dealing with. This is clearly a reaction to that. You think? Yeah. Yeah, I do think. Yeah. Look, this is not like her. No. Joel, this is not like her at all. You know what, moving out and giving up on me was not like you at all. Come on, come on, stay and talk with me, please. (laughs) Are you kidding me? I begged you for a year just to talk to me and tell me what the hell was going on. And you refused to do that and that broke me. And I'm almost okay. So you can't come over and talk to me about my dad. You can't kiss me, okay? You can't pretend like you didn't destroy me because you did. You destroyed us, all of us. I know, I'm so sorry. Okay, well, I'm gonna be okay. I can handle it. I don't know if the kids can. Okay, judging from the faces (laughs) of our other panelists, I have a feeling I'm kind of the minority opinion, so oh, I'm just going to go what? I'm fascinated. First. Let's hear it. All I wrote down was, I'll hand it to the show. Once I heard this come out of Julia's mouth, I did see her side of it. But then I wrote, I still think it's bonkers that she seems to think she's completely blameless, and this was all something that Joel did to her. But sadly, I can believe that she might believe that. So that's all I said. To hear her say like that she feels abandoned and destroyed and that she was trying to work on it and he wouldn't meet her there. Mm-hmm. And I thought, okay, that would hurt. And I get that she is hurt, but that's kind of as far as I could go. Cause it, it is, I saw Melissa like gag when he said, I know I'm sorry. Ugh. And that I did think like, what? Well, okay, Joel, you can be sorry for how things went down. If you look back and wish you had done them differently. I'm such an apologizer that I always think, doesn't hurt. Right, right. But I it's not like if I was watching this scene and had to say who should apologize for what happened. <laughs> it yeah. would not be Joel. Anyway, okay. Now you guys say what you thought. I just want to say one quick thing because before we really lay into Julia and defend Joel, <laughs> I, I do the one thing that Julia said that I agreed with was when she was like, you can't kiss me. And I was like, true. Like, I did yeah. think he was out of line last episode, the, the you know, premiere of season six. I'm like, you walked away. You certainly don't just get to kiss her out of habit. Like, you did get this ball rolling, I think. And so if you are interested in getting back together with her, you certainly don't get to just 
kiss her out of nowhere. Like that doesn't get to be the way you do that. Even though I think it was an instinct. I don't think he was being mischievous or like, you know, dastardly or something. I I did think (laughs) she had a point there, but that was literally it. Lindsay, feel free. (laughs) And and I've got more to say, but I'll take a break. (laughs) Yeah. I have forever been team Joel because (laughs) I am the stay at home parent. So I totally get his perspective. Uh, My husband's never cheated on me and then made me feel like dirt for my reaction to it. But, (laughs) you know, I certainly get where he's coming from. And I feel like it's very narcissistic of Julia to have disrespected him by kissing another man and then being offended at his reaction to that. Like, you know, it just totally making herself the victim in the whole thing when it could have been avoided if she just kept it in her pants, you know, <laughs> like, no. I'm sorry. No. I, I get that you're upset that you ruined everything, Julia. I feel for you, but this is not Joel's quote unquote fault. He's reacting to a bad situation. So I just, <laughs> just can't have a whole lot of sympathy. And you just putting it that way is a framing I haven't really considered before. And since so much of their relationship is gender flipped from typical gender roles, trying to imagine a man kissing another woman and then the woman being hurt and leaving and then the man getting upset with her for her reaction feels like, oh, we would all automatically be like, what a jackass right we would like who does he think he is the gaslighting you know like that's all the speech was and it was like him buying into it when he says i know i'm sorry i'm like don't say that it's not your fault it's a normal reaction to leave your spouse when they cheat on you you know he didn't do anything crazy and he didn't even say it was over from the beginning you know he's like i need space you know She's the one who pushed it and was like, are we seeing other people or not? Yeah. You know, you know what the revelation I had in this episode was? And it was when Amber told Sarah that she was two months pregnant. And then it just had a light bulb go on in my mind that was like, wait, so this is just two months of Julia and Joel storyline then? She's already back to work somehow and fully entrenched in this relationship with Chris it's oh. just two months later because in real life it had been way longer than two months because the show what ended in like April, I think. And then it premieres in like September. So maybe they were feeling like, Oh, it's been forever. So let's explore what happens when we pick up with Julia months and months and months later. But I'm like, uh, oh, you really hemmed yourself in timeline wise yeah. by making Amber two months pregnant and then I just couldn't get it out of my head. And I don't mean to like slut shame her or anything. But feel free. Move on. You guys decided. But yeah, you guys decided. And you're just still so cruel to Joel about everything. And I'm like, look, lady, I don't know what your obsession is with moving on before you're divorced and being mad at him and saying all of it is his fault when it's been hardly any time and you have a boyfriend. I just couldn't, I don't know. So that did sound judgy, I'm sorry. But I just was like, I don't think I'd care if she was just over it or if she was like, yeah, we moved on. But since she's still so angry at him, then it made me mad 
that she well, and then was having her I cake and eating it too. Yeah. Yeah. I texted Caleb earlier today because I'm like, Joel is still wearing his ring yeah. and she is not, but she's the one who's so butthurt that he has given up on the relationship. I'm like, he's still wearing his ring, Julia. He's not like, seeing anybody. Let's, yeah. let's see who's sleeping with somebody and not wearing the ring and who's still wearing their ring. You can't have both sides of it, Julia. Yeah. And I agree with, with you, Melissa, the, like that one of her good points was if you're walking away from this, then you don't get to comfort me about my dad and you don't get to come over and kiss me. And yeah, yeah that's fair. Okay, if we're splitting up, then let's split up. But... <laughs> she also doesn't seem to be noticing like, well, he is coming over and comforting me and he is wanting to talk now and he is kissing me and he is still wearing his ring. Well, Julia, if what you want <laughs> is to get back together, maybe now it's time to press for an answer again, because it seems like maybe his answer would be different from last time. Yeah, But she's not doing that. And then I think, well, then, Julia, why don't you initiate divorce proceedings? Yeah. If you have closed the book on this, close it. Yeah. yeah. Now the limbo that they're in really feels undefined. And I don't know who's who's the holdout. Yeah. Well, and I don't mean to throw fuel on the narcissist <laughs> fire. No, it's fascinating. If she files for divorce, then she's not the victim. She's driving the bus. I don't think that's fuel on the fire. No. I think that is really perceptive. I think you're totally right. She can't be the victim if she's the one who she can't say the she got left. Yeah. Joel yeah. left me because of this mistake. You know, not if she files the papers. And the language she uses, you broke me, you destroyed me. I'm like, you seem okay. Like you've yeah, got a I'm job like, and a boyfriend and yeah. like I don't I mean, I don't know. And and it's just it's hyper it's hyperbolic anyway, because now that we know it's just two months later, I'm like, it hasn't been a year. Like it's been a year since all this started, but you didn't ask him for a year what happened. You asked him for hardly any time at all. And then you're like, all right, then I'm I'm moving on. I'm sleeping with other people. And yeah. I just like, that's a different narrative than the one she has in her head. And the one that Joel agrees to. And it makes me wonder again, does he have any idea that in addition to kissing Ed, which is what he knows, she's slept with two people. She's in a relationship with someone else does he know that? Like, I think he deserves to know that. Like Sarah and Julia last season had a whole conversation when they thought he was sleeping with Pete about how Julia deserved to know that, but they don't seem to think Joel deserves to know anything, I guess. Very good point. Yeah. And again, like you said, not to slut shame her. If the genders were reversed, people would be very judgmental about that guy has slept with two women since he cheated on his wife. I mean, and even if it was just a kiss, it, it wouldn't. It was still an emotional. A lot affair. of like yeah. compassion. Yeah. Yeah. And if he was like blaming her entirely, which is what, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. That's the yeah. part that really gets me. Yeah. People would not be having it. No. She's such a Zeke. She's it's totally just... Zeke. You're so right. So why do you think the show has flipped it this way? It, are they being so faithful to who they think her character is, which is someone who would not be perceiving the situation correctly? Or does the show want us to think that is the correct interpretation of events? I think I feel like it's more that. I think it's more that too. And I think it's really interesting. I think that the show just has like wildly different ideas about things than like we do. For example, 
I think that they thought Adam and Christina might have been in the right with the whole Alex thing or that Al- like that Adam was just being protective about Hattie and her virginity and stuff. Like I think they might have some really like old-fashioned traditional notions that sort of seep in. And I think maybe the traditional notion here is kind of like that baptism episode last season where Zeke goes over to Joel's house and is like, just get over it faster. Be a man. Stand by your family. Men don't leave. They stay. I I think that that might be the narrative that they're pushing and that they really believe in and what's Julia supposed to do. And we're just seeing it totally differently and Hmm. I don't don't know that's that's my theory I don't know if I'm right feels possible to me I mean it sounds sensible yeah and I wonder if they even thought that deeply on it or if they're just like hey gender roles are flipped let's see where it goes kind of thing you know I wonder how much of it was planned out and where they really thought if they knew in the beginning when they started this, if this is where it was headed, because mm-hmm. this is a whole nother season later, you know, mm-hmm. they could get feedback from, from the season before on what fans were thinking about the whole situation. And I wonder if that steered them in one direction or another. Yeah. Here's a thought. I wonder if I'm guessing most people who watched Parenthood are women. Do you think that's probably. Yeah. A I, fair assumption? I think that's probably a, probably a fair assumption. And so like, Lindsay, I think it's so interesting that you identified more with Joel because of the fact that you're both stay-at-home parents, and so you you saw yourself more there. And I wonder if a lot of women just saw themselves in Julia, even if they didn't necessarily relate to Julia, just quite simply because she's the woman and we're more in her point of view than in Joel's. And so they felt her... (laughs) And so they... they, they, Hi, Austin. (laughs) And so they went... With that, and I wonder if the show is almost like rewarding what they assumed most viewers would feel, if that makes sense, you know? Yeah. And I don't know if I'm even right on that, because we're all viewers and we are all seeing Joel's side more. But again, not that this was a ton of time ago, but like eight, nine years ago, maybe that's enough time that people see it differently. Maybe. It's something I remember finding a little troubling on the marvelous Mrs. Maisel as well, mm. that her husband leaves her in that pilot yeah, because he's been cheating on her. And then he very quickly, I think it's episode two or maybe three, but I mean, it's very soon. He comes back and has like realized, wow, I made a mistake. This was wrong. And she says, but you left. Yeah. But like all she has been wanting is to have her marriage back. I'm like, wait, wait, what? I I just, it did feel like a have it both ways. And I haven't watched that in a very long time. So Mm -hmm. I might be getting details or huge fundamental facts wrong. (laughs) But I just remember thinking, wow, you're so bothered by one aspect of this that you can't overlook any other parts of it. And with Julia here, it just seems like, I could have forgiven anything that you did in reacting to this, except what you did. Yeah. And, you know, everyone does have a limit. Maybe that's her actual limit. I also think the difference between Marvelous Mrs. Maisel and her Joel, because it's funny that he's also Joel, is that he cheated and she did not. And so I get her righteous indignation when he wants to come back. Yeah. Because he fucked up. That's what made me pause. I'm like, wait, why did I, why was I judging her so much because he yeah he cheated on her yeah this is flipped in a yeah horrible way yeah julia cheats joel is mad understandably 
And then Joel comes around again and she's like, no, you destroyed us. <laughs> it's like, you did. Yeah. You did. Yeah. It's yeah. exactly like what you said, Lindsay. I mean, it's just, she's, she's judging his reaction to her infraction. Yeah. How's that for a rhyme? That was very good. I enjoyed that. <laughs> yeah. Super. Yeah. Anyway. There was one other little parenting aspect I should have brought up when we were talking about the parenting thing. So Julia mentions at the birthday party, the bullying thing, mm-hmm. just briefly. And Jasmine in another cameo appearance. Yeah, Jesus. She says, oh, and Christina, that girls are more dramatic than boys. And Lindsay, I wondered if you agreed or disagreed in your experience. Uh, I agree. <laughs> and, well, and girls can also just be so mean. Like, I think they go through a mean streak kind of probably trying to figure out who they're going to be when they're older and potentially even in hanging out with the kids she wants to hang out with at school she might be mean to somebody who would be nice to her because they're you know part of the popular crowd that she wants to be part of so she has to be mean to them in order to fit in I just think girls have a mean streak at that age (laughs) so yeah I, I would I would agree with that not that boys can't be mean but well, I always hear that boys' aggression is physical and girls' aggression is like interpersonal and relationship-based. They'll turn people against each other. Yeah, I've always heard it as like it, it's what makes social media way worse for girls than mm, boys. That makes sense. They can be, it can be vicious. Yeah, if yeah. boys are getting bullied, once they leave school, it mostly stops because, well, no one's going to beat you up when you're at home in your room. But girls can do all of that relational stuff through social media. Yeah. And so it's like there's no escape. It's just 24-7 feeling bullied, feeling targeted. God. Yeah. And it also, girls develop faster. And that kind of stuff, you have to be smart to pull it off. Like, you can't be an idiot and really be, like, a devious bully. And we know Sydney's a genius. Yeah, we do know that. (sighs) When Julia is looking up the bullying stuff, so just, I guess, to wrap up this storyline, a song is playing that made me think of Caleb because it was by Connor Oberst of Bright Eyes, and Caleb and I saw him together at Carnegie Hall. I No, I wouldn't have known it was him (laughs) just from hearing it. Yeah. But as I always do, I was watching the episode with subtitles, and his name came up as part of the subtitles. That's cool. Connor Oberst's Night at Lake Unknown. And it's like, I know that name. I saw him at Carnegie Hall with Melissa when she visited. It was so fun. Yay, that's fun. It was fun. It's the only time I've ever been to Carnegie Hall, and it was so gorgeous. And speaking of Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, now I will forever associate it with the latest season finale. And so I just feel really cool that I've been in there. Anyway. (laughs) So let's hop over to Chambers Academy. Yeah. Which I know we're all just dying to do. (laughs) I don't know if I... Speak for all of us, but I was like, oh gosh. Yeah. I don't care much about any of this. But I will say though that this episode I enjoyed Adam and Christina a lot more than I usually do. Yeah, that's good. Even though I think the school idea is ridiculous. I enjoyed their interactions in this episode more than most. That's cool. Yeah, they were pretty good. Yeah. I, I enjoyed well, I yeah, I enjoyed. Nora. So while Nora <laughs> does not add much to the show, yeah. I applaud Parenthood for not aging her up quicker 
yeah. and she actually would have aged to make her more interesting to viewers. Yeah. Like they did with like um, Chrissy, was that her name on Growing, Growing Pains. Pains? Yeah. Where she was like a newborn and then the next season yeah, she, she was, was a five. baby and then she was an eight year old. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's happened on lots of usually sitcoms, maybe not dramas like this. But yeah. Anyway. By not aging her up, yeah, she still is not contributing much to the show. <laughs> but it it's cool just to notice, like, oh, hey, Nora can now sit up at the breakfast counter. And she can take a plate of food from her mother. And she can say a few words. It's like, that's what babies do. <laughs> and when it goes slowly like that, I mean, day to day, the littlest things become a huge deal. And I was like, oh, it's nice to get a little peek into this fictitious family and feel even just a tiny bit of that. I was like, hey, look how far she's come. She's growing up as kids do. Like when Adam hands her the the eggshells and was like, here are your eggs. And she's like, no. Like, yeah. So cute. Oh. And yeah. it reminded me all over again that she's played by the, the twins on Jane the Virgin because they're like, such good little actors oh my gosh and you already see it she's so young and she's already so natural yeah so i looked up kason is that how it is pronounced because okay funny you should ask because of (laughs) course i googled it and here is what google says casein that is the one adam said so adam is correct on that one but so wrong on culinary here's google again culinary yeah so Christina was right That's on that. That's right. One. And I think maybe it amused me so much because it seems like a joke that you and I would have, Caleb. Yeah. <laughs> Baggage. Culinary. <laughs> Baggage. Yeah. And I think that's why I felt so <laughs> amused by it. Like, oh. It felt like a very realistic little, like, intermarital joke. Uh, joke. Yeah. I wondered what the point of it was. And I sort of loved that I didn't think there really was a point. I thought that was cool. It reminds me of when Friends had all those early season episodes where like literally they would just have whole minutes devoted to them sitting around watching Three's Company and commenting on it. I'm like, this is real life. That's why. Because you would have a little thing where you would just like be mispronouncing words. And I really liked that Adam was right on one of them and that she was right on one of them because... It made it less like mansplaining and annoying that he kept saying culinary. It just made it funny, I guess. Because at first I'm like, just look it up, Adam. God. And then I'm like, oh, you know what? You were right about casein. And so maybe you just felt real proud of yourself and you thought, I can't get anything wrong. (laughs) And then you did. I don't know. Well, for any viewers who are just desperate to know what casein is. Oh, me. No. (laughs) Here I am to save the day. Casein is a family of phosphoproteins commonly found in mammalian milk. They can induce an inflammatory response similar to gluten. And according to Google, Adam's pronunciation... Oh, I I see. I I already covered this. (laughs) Lindsay, there was another little throwaway moment that made me think of you. And it was when Adam gets an email while he's driving in the car with Crosby. Set that email at KB. Who's KB? Christina Braverman, your wife. Oh, KB. 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 I don't think this has come up on the podcast I don't think it has. But my sisters, present company included, (laughs) call me KB. Why do they? Because your name starts with a C and B is not like your... 
any initial but in it, your name. But the C makes a K sound in That's Caleb. True. And the so B it's like first is how and last sounds KB. So KB. Okay. All yeah. right. It's a cute little pet name. It is yeah. cute. I've always liked it. I've just never quite understood where it came from. So now, well, now and I know what's the funny is, as far as I remember, it did not start when we were young. It was actually kind no, of a we later. Were grown. Yeah, I yeah. think you were in middle school and Jay and I were in high school. Yeah. And I, I what do you think of this, Lindsay? Because I know years before you ever called me KB, we started calling Jay JB. Oh, yeah. And hers Does that is have any influence? J-A-I-B-E, right? It isn't spelled like the yeah. initials and yours are spelled Correct. like the initials. Okay. Mine is yeah. just two letters. And it's not KB the way they refer to Christina there. It's KB, like KB's toys. But like, it's not spelled like KB's toys. It's like BB, <laughs> but KB. Yeah. Anyway, I loved that. <laughs> this is all the stuff I was taking note of instead of the actual storyline. Well, here's one cool. I noticed that's not part of the actual storyline. Nissan must be a sponsor again because that was another damn <laughs> Nissan ad. Um, so, and... You know what? I'm just going to say it now because I've been not sure when I should say it. I loved this episode deeply and it actually almost made me cry how much I loved it. And it really felt to me like it was hearkening back to like season one, season two, like early days. I don't even know why. It just felt like it had some of the magic that... It used to. Anyway, and I was like, is it I because feel of like the siblings were talking over each other a <laughs> yeah. lot more than they had in previous episodes, like they did when the show started. Yeah. Uh, and they were and all together. Probably little throwaway one liners and yes. that kind of stuff. Because there were a lot of com- offhanded comments. I'm like, oh, that was funny. Yeah. Or like them all getting together for an occasion, in this case, Zeke's birthday party. Like it just, anyway. And it was weird because I wouldn't have thought that I'd be nostalgic for a weird like Nissan commercial. <laughs> but it, I realized I kind of was. Like, I don't know. Oh, it just, Nissan's back. Nissan back the show is restored to its original glory so. but melissa didn't you miss like ruby and sandy not at all <laughs> yeah i literally it was so good yeah what's gonna happen with them oh gosh darn it and it's funny because oh, we'll find out yeah and i would say <laughs> and i would say i didn't care about the school either and it might have been my least favorite storyline in this particular episode but it I don't know. I didn't I didn't hate it. I just I don't know that I was as fond of Adam and Christina as you were though, Lindsay, because I did find the cook like quitting Jim. I was like, go Jim. I was like, Christina's being unreasonable. <laughs> that's that's what I thought. I was like, you're just expecting this person to solve all your problems. You haven't thought this through. What how are you going to serve 40 individualized lunch plans? It's not so easy to run a school, is it? I got a little cocky at that. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I agree with you there. It was more like the way they talked to each other. Yeah, I did like that. But yeah, you can't expect that out of (laughs) your food vendor. That that was ridiculous. And you know, the tone of that storyline was clearly more comical than most of the others. And that was some nice relief. That's true. Well, she tells them, you don't care about their intestines. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> well, I love what she said. Just wait for my Yelp review. And he goes, yeah, that'll hurt. She's like, it's going to hurt you. <laughs> it's just very, very yeah, funny. Yeah. And yet it did have some substance. Like, well, here's the one clip I took from it at the end of the storyline. Mm. I was going to wait till tomorrow to tell you, but I am... Um... 
I got a call from Edgar's mom. All right, lay it on me. And um, she said that Edgar actually came home from school and told her everything that happened. Time for me to lawyer up? No, no. She actually, um, she's thrilled. Really? I know. It's crazy because their little plan worked. She's. He had a good time. He came home and told her about this piece of chicken that he was cooking. And he was so excited about this piece of chicken. He kept saying, it's my piece of chicken. And Adam taught me how to cook this piece of chicken. And she just hmm. felt very grateful to us because it was the first time, I guess, in a long time that she actually saw something in him that, that gave her some hope. Good. Yeah. Wow. Well, we got lucky. And she thinks that you are a genius. Well, I don't know. No, think she I'm said a that. She said, Christina. whoever thought of bringing in it. a culinary art. That's, there you she go. Said, no, culinary. she said that. It's oh. still culinary. It's not culinary. A culinary art form yes. is nothing short of genius. It's so. pretty cool. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> that was my favorite. Oh, man. Mm. That's the best news thing. I've had all yes, day. Yes, it is. You did a really good thing. And just hearing that, I thought, boy, that would go such a long way yeah. to keep you going with something difficult, like running a school when you have absolutely no qualifications to do so. <laughs> <laughs> but to hear that it really did make a difference in a kid's life. Yeah. Or the kid's parents' life, you know. Yeah. So I thought, oh, it, it all comes back to something real. It's not just for laughs. And it was cool seeing the kids in the kitchen. I mean, the fire and the knives, and it's a little stressful too. But it was an inventive solution That's to true. the problem. It, it, the, the word stressful was my primary reaction to this entire storyline. Like, Adam, go get food. Oh my gosh, our cook quit. Oh, what are we going to do? Oh, here's a scene in the kitchen with the kids, and there's fire and a knife. Like, I was like, yeah. <laughs> I go to work every day. This is the closest I've ever felt, I think, to people who are like, I can't watch Parenthood. It hits too close to home. Those are not my exact <laughs> issues at work, obviously. But I'm like, I don't know that I enjoy watching about how stressful it is to be at a school because that is life. It reminds me. me of like trying to cook with my own children. Like, oh, no, don't <laughs> touch that. It's hot. No, you can't hold the knife. I'm like, wait, why did you get the flour out? What if we, we're not making anything with flour. There's no gluten in these recipes, There's kids. There's no gluten. <laughs> Give me a cup of casein. <laughs> I, did, no. I did wonder, like, it was an inventive solution, and I did think it was very cool, and I, I really, like, obviously was touched by that story of, like, the kid with the, with the chicken, the piece of chicken. And I, I think that's what homeschooling is largely about, right? Like you just figure out what kids are interested in and you like sort of run after it and you like model it after that. You can kind of tailor it to that. So I thought all that made a lot of sense. I think on some level I was still like, is this ethical? And maybe that's a terrible question, but I'm like, it's one thing to have like culinary arts, but it's another thing. It almost felt like this is just a sham to get lunch for everybody though. Max called yeah. it child labor. It is child labor. I was like, wouldn't, this take all day like i'm like this isn't like an hour or something like i'm like if you're you're cooking you're having kids high school kids cook 40 individualized meals that's not an arts program that's that's probably all they're doing i don't know i was just like yeah feels like if they're already cutting corners with this school you know like yeah and it just makes me think of all the standards that public schools have to adhere to and it makes me a little angry when I linger on that for too long you know if I think what if 
our public school students just got out of like a bunch of credits and just cooked lunches. And of course we have 1600 kids. They couldn't cook everybody's (laughs) lunches. I, I do get that, but I'm still like, no, we pay people to do that. And if you can't pay people to do the service for your school, Maybe you haven't thought this through. <laughs> Maybe that's not the right I way to like look at it. As long as they're not cleaning toilets, they can probably get <laughs> okay. away with it. Yeah, that's at true. Least and the kids for like love the it. first year of the school. Yeah. And like, is Adam going to supervise it every day? Is he quitting the luncheonette? Yeah. Every luncheon hour? Yeah. Leaving the luncheonette for the actual lunch shift. Yes. <laughs> it does make you wonder. But I'm also wondering a little bit about the luncheonette at this point because. The only people Crosby was coaching in that space this episode were his nieces and nephews. So I'm like, and his kid. Well, you know, I had a question about that. Amber is a Braverman grandchild, and she literally works at the luncheonette. Yeah. Don't you think she'd be part of Zeke's recording? Yeah. And Drew, they're both musicians. Both of those kids are like Yeah, and it's like, like if she's singers. there, certainly Drew's going to be there. It would have turned into their show, wouldn't it? Wasn't it supposed to be endearing because it was just the little kids? Just the little kids. I mean, I guess, but then you're just excluding the grown-ups because they're not cute enough. <laughs> you wouldn't need auto-tune if you Drew's had Amber I think Drew's the cutest one of all. But, <laughs> but that's a good segue to Amber. Yeah. Although, is it a good segue if I say, hey, that's a good segue? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. <laughs> be proud of that shit, Caleb. Okay. Own it. So Amber told Sarah that she was pregnant at the end of the last episode. This episode picked up immediately in that same scene at that same moment. Yeah. And Sarah felt like she kind of dropped the ball. But he was in a full body cast. I don't really want to think about the details as much as you apparently do. We We weren't there. We would have heard something. Why would we have heard them? We were in a hotel like a million miles away. Attached to a heart monitor. That would have been going off. Look, all I know is that my daughter's pregnant. And she was so scared, too. She was so scared to tell me. And I just froze. I, I bet she dreamed of this wonderful moment where she tells her mom this exciting news and... I totally let her down. I just said, oh. He was in traction, you know? Maybe that helped. Oh, my God. It's not the point. I know. I know. I know. I know. I know. Oh, my God. How do you you really feel about it? I think... Like it doesn't matter what I feel. She needs me. I felt for Sarah, it would be hard to be in that position. Like, of course you want to be supportive, but of course you don't want your 21-year-old daughter to become a single mother. Yeah. But I had some quibbles with the way this storyline was executed. Quibble and it away. Starts, and it starts in this scene because, and this won't seem like a quibble because it's actually a compliment, I thought Sarah arrived at the exact right conclusion at the end of the scene I just played. Yeah. It doesn't matter what I feel. She needs me. Correct, Sarah. It almost feels like she maybe learned a lesson from Amber's engagement, Mm. which she also wasn't on board with. Yeah. But Amber needed her. And so you got to kind of put your feelings aside and just be there for them. Yeah. And she learned that kind of the hard way, but she learned it. Yeah. But then the storyline keeps going and she just says her reservations anyway. I feel like I was in shock and I didn't do a good job not being in shock. But I am eager to hear more about, you know, what you and Ryan have 
planned or how you're going to work it out? And oh, um, I, I don't know. I haven't, I haven't even thought about that. Where he I doesn't know. He doesn't know. Not yet. I, mm. it's ju I just sort of started telling people and everything, so I haven't really. I guess that would be a big piece in terms of, is he involved? Does he want to be involved? Financially, emotionally, right. just another person to help. You yeah, know. I just don't know yet, though. I don't right. really know what I. It's a weird thing where you are one person, and then suddenly you're two people. Yeah, I, I understand <laughs> the math of it. That person needs you, mm -hmm. so there is some planning that. I has just feel to like you're happen. trying to just say that you don't want me to do it, That's so maybe you should just say. say it. Amber, it's not that I don't want you to do this. Really? It's that I wish you weren't doing it now. There I feel it is. Like okay. You've barely had time to work and be in love, and I do feel like you have no idea how hard something like this is to do by yourself. You have no idea, and I do. And it doesn't mean I don't believe in you. I just. Okay. Then it's the same conflict that she already knows the solution to. Like, I, it just felt a little like if they really wanted to do that storyline, they shouldn't have had her say that in that scene. She needed. Well, that's to where I was confused. I'm like, this. yes, you do know the appropriate way to handle this, and yet the next time you go talk to her, you flub it up again. Like, yeah, <laughs> didn't you just hear what you said? That was the right move. <laughs> I was to just be supportive. I liked that. And that might sound really nuts, but I think it's because I think it's so human to know logically what you should do and then not do it. Because it's That's like true. it's the head and the heart. Like she knows the right thing to say, but it's not what she feels. And so when she goes to talk to her, I think she gets swept away with how she feels instead of what she's supposed to do. I mean, I remember a long time ago, I think it was a season three episode, we were we were talking and I mentioned how I could relate to a storyline because someone in my family wasn't vaccinated and someone else in my family really wanted that person to be vaccinated and I felt very put in the middle. And I said in that episode, very logically, I was like, we can't convince people, right? We just can't convince people what to do. And it was the right thing. And I was like, so this is why I'm above it. And I don't even talk to this person about it. And this is why I'm evolved. <laughs> but then <laughs> I went on to like have a huge fight with this person <laughs> later <laughs> and trying to convince, trying them. to convince them, which I have like literal like audio evidence that I knew <laughs> I shouldn't do. And I did it anyway, because when I stopped thinking about it logically and just feeling, I was just really mad that this person, in my opinion, was putting others at risk and isn't going to see certain family members maybe ever again, if I'm being dramatic, um, you know, people who are like immunocompromised. I, I still can get upset about it when I really think about it. I mean, my whole family is like kind of torn apart because of this, if I'm being honest, like... There are certain people in my family who I don't think we'll ever see each other again. And it's really hard. And that's, I think, the sort of level that Sarah is dealing with, with Amber, who, you know, it was bad enough when Amber was engaged to Ryan. I'm, I'm trying to see it from Sarah's point of view. But, like, that could be stopped in a way. And I know that a pregnancy could be stopped, but 
Amber doesn't want to. And so Sarah is certainly not going to try to talk her into that. I don't think that's her. Well, and Although, if I may, yeah. I, that's something I couldn't help but think about. Yeah. And I'm not saying I would have liked this storyline better or that it would have been good. It just felt to me like if Parenthood were on HBO. Yeah. Let's say. And we're just a messier show. You might have a storyline where the single mother tries to convince her pregnant 21-year-old daughter, who's going to be another single mother, don't keep it. And boy, that is something that if the daughter didn't want to hear it, ooh, now there's a rift Yeah, that she would be so justified. Like, you're asking me to not keep my baby? Are Do you care about me at all? And the mom, of course, might argue... I care about you so much yeah. that I'm telling you, here's what I think is best for you. Now, I, okay, again, I'm I'm not sure that that's a storyline I really wanted to see, but I just thought at least that's a bold choice. And this, like, oh, I'm not going to say anything. Oh, I did. Oh, I shouldn't have said that. I'm like, <laughs> that's a pretty tame story arc. Yeah. And it feels like we kind of have already seen it before and... I kind of think that Sarah maybe tiptoed up to that anyway, though, because in the initial... She did say, so you're... You're keeping it. And I thought she sounded really disappointed. And maybe that's really all we get, but I do think that's interesting. Like, maybe that's her... Maybe that's the show getting as close as it's going to get to suggesting Well, considering what Drew had just gone through, like, I feel like that would have been really heavy-handed on that topic. (laughs) True. If they had gone there again again. yeah but that's you know when she went back to talk to amber that my first thought is like what what are you trying to get out of this conversation you know yeah what's done is done like unless you're trying to convince her to get rid of it you just shouldn't air any of those issues at all you just be supportive i don't know if caleb knows this exact story but i feel like when i was in college I lived with two girls and um, turns out one of them's nine months pregnant. I, I find this out. She's nine months pregnant. Like you found out when she was nine months pregnant. Like yes. she was like kind of hiding I, the I pregnancy. Find out, wow. Yeah. I find out middle of the afternoon that night she goes into labor. Oh my God. We're at the hospital. Our other roommate is tasked with calling her parent because mm-hmm nobody nobody knew knew that she was pregnant nobody knew she didn't tell anybody she was just she felt very alone didn't know what to do so her parents did not know our other roommate calls to say hey she's pregnant we're at the hospital because she's having the baby and just my all-time favorite her dad in the background he's like all right we'll get the camera get in the car let's go and they're you know that was like here we go we're having a we're having a baby you know i'm like that is the ultimate support move like we're in it there's no time for lectures and i remember the nurses at the hospital being like she had no prenatal care i'm like uh that ship has sailed what are you talking about like it's moot we're here we're having a baby. Yeah. Get the camera. Let's go. Oh my gosh. You can just be supportive. That's all. If I was in that situation, that is all I would hope that ever came out of my mouth. Yeah. And I think you're right. I also think 
how difficult must that be for a lot of people to just be the best version of themselves when they hear news that like, like with your roommate, this is interesting. Like, I don't know anything about her or her history with her, like, you know, family or anything, but boy, just based off of that, I think her dad must be incredible, you know, probably her whole family. It's not that I don't think Sarah is incredible. I do think Sarah is incredible, but I also like, here's what I know about Sarah. Having kids young changed her whole life and made it harder and it's simultaneously the best thing that ever happened to her, but also a, probably a big part of why she doesn't feel as successful as her siblings or, you know, why it took her until her 40s to feel like she was together. And I wonder if she wishes she could have just had those exact same kids later, but of course she couldn't have, you know, like even if her kids had been with Seth, if they had been conceived at a different time, they wouldn't have been Amber and Drew. She actually doesn't regret this, but like that doesn't mean she wants her kids to do the, the exact same path that yeah. led to a harder life. I, I I think of, is it with Damien when Sarah says, why do you insist on making the same mistakes I did? Yes. I, I totally buy that. And I, I get why she wouldn't want Amber to do that. I don't know. I just kept going back and forth between like, I certainly think the con this conflict could happen. It just, in this instance, felt a little manufactured to me. And like I said, maybe it's that I felt like they had Sarah declare what felt like the lesson she would learn from all of it mm-hmm. in the previous scene. And uh, I also felt like in her second scene with Amber, Amber was sort of like pressing her mm. to get the truth out. Like, yeah. I know you're not okay with this and I'm going to make you say it. Which I actually could see Amber doing. Yeah, or I like anyone like Amber. Yeah. Like, I know you're judging me. And if you are, you got to cop to it. But I also wondered, if, I'm not sure I buy Sarah being like a huge advocate of planning right away. Like, that's how they depicted it as like, oh, well, Sarah's trying to jump to, have you told Ryan, what's his involvement going to be? You have to plan for this. How's he involved emotionally, financially? I could see Julia or Adam doing Mm. that easily. Like, okay, let's make lists and let's get answers and check boxes right away. I thought, wouldn't Sarah say, or like sense how that was landing with Amber and then say, you know what? You've got plenty of time to figure that out and I'll help you. That does seem more like But you make a good point. Like, can everyone be the best version of themselves at any instance? Of course not. And where would television be if they were? (laughs) True. It would be so boring. But it felt like a a fine storyline acted really well Mm -hmm. that just felt a little contrived. You know what really felt contrived to me? This was so bitchy. And I, I don't feel like we often see Sarah this bitchy. But like in the very first scene when Amber says she's pregnant, Sarah takes this big breath. And like kind of flutters her eyelids like and she's like, who? And I thought that was like pretty judgy. Like, I mean, I don't know. Maybe she really didn't guess that it was Ryan because of the hospital bed. And then I did think all the stuff with Hank, like wondering how it happened was quite funny. But at the same time, I was like, this feels kind of like you're shaming her, you know, or like it could have been a million different people. So who, you know, like, I I don't know. There was something about the who. Oh, see, I took. I took that as she genuinely didn't understand how it was possible because Amber hadn't dated anyone in months. Okay, I like that read a lot more because I just was like, why are you being so cruel? I'm more, yeah, with that, like, 
I just, you were you dating How? somebody? How did this even yeah. happen? Okay. I think you guys have brought me over to that side. Yeah, I like that. I like that a lot more. I hope. I hope you're right. Probably. That you're makes such more a sense. Slut. Well, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. There was just, it just, something about the delivery of it really like rubbed me the wrong way. And I, I can't ever forget that in season one, she had that line about calling her a bitch because of like, you know, her essay. I'm never going to let that go. <laughs> so anyway, something else that happens in that scene where Amber tells her was it struck me how, how interesting it was when Sarah took the wine that she had just poured for Amber away from her. And then I was like, huh. It's fascinating that she ever pours her daughter wine when we know like how freaked out she was when Drew was drinking, you know, because of their dad being an, you know, an addict and everything. And then I thought, well, maybe it's just a sign like Drew was a kid and she really sees Amber as an adult. And so she's able to do that. But it felt different even from when she like drinks with Julia and stuff because Julia doesn't have alcoholism in her family and Amber does. I don't even know if I have an opinion one way or the other on it. Like, I just thought it was interesting. I just noted it. And I didn't, it didn't, I didn't notice it at all when she originally poured her the drink. I only thought about it when she took it away. And I was like, huh. And I noticed that too, but all I could think of was, and like, Lindsay, I'm sure you'll correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like I learned somewhere semi-recently that even when you're pregnant, you can have a drink you know, occasionally no. you shouldn't be. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. Don't listen to me. People you cannot do that. Really? Uh, Cause I've heard you could have like a small glass of wine now and then or something. I've never been pregnant. I've never <laughs> had a drink while pregnant. So, but, but is mean, that not true? I feel like, uh, if your communion wine is real wine and not grape juice, you can get away like with that, but like I'm that. not sure okay. about like a whole glass of wine yeah huh. i should just say to know. i never did <laughs> fair, so. fair and her kids came out great folks <laughs> although i was so i watched the episode before this too in preparation for this one yeah and her eight week ultrasound with like that giant baby on there eight <laughs> weeks they're like the size of a gummy bear like yeah. that's what they look like they just have little arm and leg buds there are not <laughs> legs that you can see Oh yeah, that oh, is an interesting ultrasound like that. That baby was huge. Huh. <laughs> Fascinating. But you would get an ultrasound in about eight weeks. Okay. But probably not through your stomach. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Good point. Now I'm remembering season finale of season one, Sarah saying that she smoked and drank a lot, and it's why Amber is so short. <laughs> I assumed that was a joke, but do you think it's real? <laughs> it might be real. It might be real. She wasn't the most responsible. That's true. Their last scene was lovely. What's going on? Just wanted to show you some pictures I was going through. Who is that? Who is that? <laughs> Hello. It's this lady, Ew. member of the Stripe Club. Oh no, look at the thighs. <laughs> I'm sorry I put you in ruffles. I'm really sorry about the haircut. <laughs> we didn't have a lot of money. <laughs> what was I going to do? Oh. Do you remember your line from the play where you played a maple leaf? Mm -mm. You didn't that night either. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's autumn. That was it? Yeah. I forget what made you laugh that hard. 
They were laughing so hard. Look at that little cutie. I realized I forgot to tell you about all the good stuff. I know. Me too. We're gonna be okay. Yeah. Yeah, we're gonna be okay. Beautiful. You know, something that was especially occurring to me right now as I was playing it, I feel like the majority of that scene had to have been improvised. Yeah. Because it looked like they were actual baby pictures of Mae Whitman. Mm -hmm. So then you have to be responding to a picture that was taken in her actual childhood where she's wearing ruffles and has a weird haircut or is laughing. Mm -hmm. I mean, maybe they could have gotten those so far in advance that Sarah Watson wrote those lines based around those photos. Mm -hmm. And it's not like we lingered on the photos so long that we could really make out the details, but it felt improvisatory. And I was just listening to it and thinking it, probably was it was great yeah i just felt like this was such a better approach <laughs> as yeah. a supportive parent because you know in their last conversation she's like you know you haven't thought about this you haven't thought about this you haven't thought about this <laughs> do you know what she thought about because i guarantee you that a 21 year old girl who got with an unplanned pregnancy has thought about how hard it is going to be. And yes. she doesn't need you to point that out. As Good soon point. as she was sympathetic to her, Amber opened right up and was like, I'm scared. Mm -hmm. I know, you know, you don't, yeah. <laughs> you don't need to point those things out to somebody, Yeah, you know, just taking her lead a little bit more when she got <laughs> the truth out of her, which was that, she was scared and then she was able to be there for her as a mom. Maybe that's what bugged me about this storyline. Yeah. It felt like Sarah was stupid. Yeah. Like, does Sarah not know that? I mean, Amber's not going to want to hear that. As Sarah says, she's been in that situation. I'm sure Sarah was scared too. Why? I, I don't know. It just felt like I didn't quite buy that this was a lesson Sarah needed to learn. I feel like she would have known it already. I think that she was just in panic mode. I think she just saw a different vision of Amber's future than she had been seeing before. And I think it just freaked her out and made her really scared. And I think she was more thinking about her own fear than Amber's fear, which I don't think is good, but I think is very realistic, you know? And I, I think that's where that came from. I mean, no, I don't think that Sarah thinks this is a good approach at all and I don't think that's why she said it you know I think I, I believed I didn't think she was stupid I just thought she was like allowing her emotions to take control rather than being like you know what it's going to be fine I think she was just panicked yeah that's what I think that's fair yeah I also feel compelled to share that I find <laughs> this is so specific okay that I find a parent saying I know so soothing. <laughs> and I feel like I've seen it here. I know there's some episode of Friends, I think, where maybe it's Emma's crying and Rachel's comforting a crying baby. She goes, oh, I know. Oh. And I feel like I've seen it several places. And I I don't know. I, I, It probably speaks to like what I most want 
when I'm in distress. Like the kind of comfort I want is someone to relate to me yeah. and like share it. Because yeah. I, I honestly, like I just hear those words and I like melt. Aww. And so at the end when she said, I'm scared, I know we're going to be okay. I'm like, oh, everything's going to be fine. That was, <laughs> yeah, that was very sweet. Yeah. Yeah. I loved that. Well, let's talk about mitral valve regurgitation. <laughs> yeah. Let's. That's a good segue. That's great. It's the very best. One of the best ones, <laughs> I think. <laughs> it's a type of heart valve disease in which the valve between the left heart chambers doesn't close completely, allowing blood to leak backward across the valve. Most individuals with a mild leak in the valve are still alive five years after diagnosis. However, for those with a severe leak that goes untreated, survival drops way off, hovering around 60% surviving at five years. Wow. So it seemed like what Zeke said was technically true, that some people are walking around with it and don't even realize, and it doesn't cause a lot of problems. But yeah. if you ignore it forever, it can cause major problems. I was thinking watching it today. I'm like, oh, I didn't ask Gary about this, <laughs> about any of this. He's usually my go-to medical advice. That makes sense. Yeah. Married to a doctor. Yeah, it checks out. Let's talk about the scene when Crosby tries to, his mission is to convince Zeke to have the surgery. And of course, it doesn't go quite (laughs) as planned. It doesn't go well. Yeah. Yeah. Can can we talk about it? Well, there's not really much to talk about, Cros. It's elective surgery, and I've elected not to have it. Okay, well, Adam made it sound pretty serious. Well, Adam's a worrier and always has been, and so is your mom, and that's why they get together so they can worry each other out. All right, well, to be honest, I'm pretty worried too. It's your heart. I mean, this mitral gurgle, mitral gastral. No, no, Crosby, do you even know what mitral regurgitation is? No, I don't. Okay. It's a small leak in the heart valve. All right. A lot of people walk around with it, don't even know they've got it. Mm-hmm. The doctor said I could have had it for years, and I never felt anything. And he says the other thing about it is it's not going to kill me. Right? The worst that can happen, I'll have one of those fainting spells like I had in Vegas. I mean, and how bad was that, really? It was fine, wasn't it? It's like a sun. Well, you look. Yeah, you looked all right. I guess Here's the, deal. the next day. I would rather have a fainting spell like that. Then go in and have open heart surgery or whatever the hell, crack open my chest and work on me and just take my chances. I mean, think about it. What choice would you make? A fainting spell or take that risk? Probably fainting. That's all it really was. Yeah. Same here. You're sure? Honestly. I don't think I've ever felt better. What do you think of Zeke's position? I think Zeke knows how to work Crosby. He's probably happy that he's the one who was sent to represent the kids. <laughs> he's so easily swayed by Zeke. Yeah. He just looks up to him so much like, okay, yeah, dad, whatever you say. Okay, well, yeah, that, sound, that does sound pretty, pretty. I think you're right, dad. I think it's <laughs> That's a pretty good Crosby. <laughs> Uh, that's m- largely what struck me too was just the the force with which Zeke lays out his opinion. I know this exact trait in people. My landlord came immediately to my mind, and I both detest it and envy it. 
it's people who somehow express their opinion so forcefully. It's like there is no room for disagreement. Yeah. I consider myself a smart person and like good with words, but my landlord will say something and I'm like, I, I, I can't even begin to <laughs> form a counter argument. Yeah. He has just laid it on so thick and so confidently. I don't know how they do that, which is where the envy part comes in. Cause I'm like, how do I how do I do that? Yeah. But my inability to disagree makes me view it as something they've done that they shouldn't. Like, mm. well, you shouldn't express your opinion that way because I'm not able to disagree. It's witchcraft. <laughs> it feels like an unfair fight. Yeah, yeah. I was upset with Zeke because I really did feel like he knew better and was manipulating the situation and his son. But then when I looked at it from another angle, it was hard to be too upset with him because he's just scared, you know, and and the way that some like I handle my fear completely the opposite. I would get that surgery scheduled immediately. You know, I think the three of us talked about this, actually, with um, Christina, the way that she kind of put off her surgery date to go to some function of Max's, hear his speech, I think, when he was running for class president and we were all like, get in there, get in there fast. <laughs> that's that's how I felt about this all over again. I'm like, go get it taken care of. But that's not how everyone feels. Some people, when they're afraid, they avoid. And, you know, he got there eventually. Although it is interesting to wonder, would he have gotten there if Amber hadn't been pregnant or told him she was pregnant? And I have to admit, part of me was actually a little upset that that did it. Um, and that might sound really messed up on my part, but I'm like, so wait, all the other members of your family are not <laughs> enough <laughs> for you to like want to live for. It's just this baby who doesn't exist yet. That's that's what's going to do it for you. I'm nitpicking. I feel like that got the ball rolling because yeah. I feel like when he came back in and they're playing the song for him yeah. and he's looking, okay. you know, the way the camera kind of panned the room. <laughs> I'm like, I feel like this is Zeke taking stock of what's in this room and that he didn't want to miss any of those moments if he didn't have to. I like that. Yeah. I saw it. And you know, at least all those other people, he has already met, experienced and has a history with. And it's like, of course, he would always want more time. But you could argue that he understands you never get infinite time. But this little one... He might not even meet him. Yeah. And, you know, I felt like he expanded on what he said. I mean, I I agree with all of you. Like, it's probably not how I would handle it. But I also think there is a valid case to be made that people are different. And Zeke should be the final say on which surgeries he wants to have or not have. And he gets to assess his own risk. Yeah. And I feel like he expanded on it with Adam in a way that made me understand his position more than when he spoke with Crosby. Everybody's worried about you. Really? Well, I'm kind of worried about me. Are you? Doesn't seem like it. Doesn't seem like you're dealing with this. Doesn't seem like you're taking it seriously at all. No, no, Son, I am taking this very seriously. Well, then you should do it. You should have this surgery. That's not that simple. It is that simple. Do you know what could happen? I could die on that table. I know. And I also know it's a 95% success rate for this surgery. 95%. Well, Those are really good odds. Are they? Yeah. 
Geez, I'm glad you're willing to take the risk. Come on. I am willing to take the risk. I don't like the alternative. But you know what my doctor told me? My doctor says that, you know, if the surgery doesn't go well, I think he put it very poetically when he said you'd have a diminished quality of life. It's still a life. Not one I want. If you don't have the surgery, you could die. You could die, Dad. What, what do I do then? If I die, you just take my ashes, you scatter them in center field at Marine Park, and you play a game of baseball over me. Because I'm going on on my terms. You know, a 95% success rate sounds wonderful. Yeah. But I also suddenly thought, if someone handed me a deck of 100 cards and said, draw one, five of them will kill you. Yeah. I'd be like, do I have to draw one? <laughs> and now, yeah, that's, that's not a really good Quite example. the same. But, yeah. but that would be terrifying. Mm-hmm. And I think quality versus quantity of life is a very fair balance to try and strike. Yeah, like, what totally. kind of life do I want to have? What's worth living to me and what isn't? Yeah. I was also very aware at the party how Zeke's health was suddenly a suitable topic of conversation for everyone around him. Yeah. Christina's mentioning it to some stranger on the phone. Yeah. And Julia's giving gifts because of it, and every dish they make is because of that. Yeah. It felt very dehumanizing in a way. Like, yeah. he's right here, everyone. Yeah, <laughs> yeah everybody's um, talking about him and not to him. And like you said, it's dehumanizing. Yeah. I was also struck by Julia telling Camille, you got to talk to him, Mom. Mm. <laughs> As if Camille doesn't understand how to handle Zeke probably better than anyone else in the world. Yeah, good call. Like, oh, you know what the problem here is? Mom just hasn't talked to him yeah. enough. Like, <laughs> she knows what she's doing yeah. and, you know, as best she can. Yeah. No one can control him. Anyway, those are my blabberings about that aspect of it. Sarah's arrival at the party cracked me up. Oh, it was wonderful. <laughs> say, after that big blow up and then she comes in totally oblivious with the crown on and... It's so weird. Everything you just said about all the Zeke stuff is beautiful. And I have to admit, I was more just paying attention to how wonderful it was seeing them all together. And I think... Except Drew. Except Drew, Drew randomly. Yeah. And Jasmine barely. But like, (laughs) there were all these little moments like Crosby walking in and saying, um, the Trusselmans are here, which I don't think they've ever said before. And I was like, like oh, that's precious. Sarah's arrival, like you said, absolutely cracked me up. Even all the little back and forths about like Julia's you know, cake that she took so long to make or whatever it is, a tart, I don't know. Fruit tart. Fruit tart being horrible. And, you know, the kids tape for Zeke and the dancing. I think I was so overwhelmed by all that goodness. I don't know. There's this poem that I'm now inspired to pull up out of nowhere. It's called From Blossoms by Lee Young Lee. 
And it is one of my favorite poems ever. Someone actually read it at my wedding. Which we were both at. Yes. Yeah. Oh, that's so great. So here, it's just about eating these peaches from like a roadside stand that are still like dusty. They haven't even been washed off yet. And they, they, peaches we devour, dusty skin and all, comes the familiar dust of summer, dust we eat. Oh, to take what we love inside, to carry within us an orchard, to eat not only the skin, but the shade, not only the sugar, but the days, to hold the fruit in our hands, adore it, then bite into the round jubilance of peach. And then here's the part I really wanted to read. This is how it ends. There are days we live as if death were nowhere in the background, from joy to joy to joy, from wing to wing, from blossom to blossom to impossible blossom to sweet impossible blossom. And this idea of there are days we live as if death were nowhere in the background. And I feel like that is what Zeke wants to do. He just wants to live as if death were nowhere in the background and look at all this beauty in his life, all of this. And everyone keeps reminding him that death is in the background, right? Like, and and yeah. he just wants to live his life. And the the peaches he wants to eat is like meat that's bad for him. I don't know. He just wants to smoke <laughs> his cigars and he doesn't want the diminished quality of life. And I know this isn't an exact <laughs> matchup with what the poem says, but like he just wants those beautiful moments. And that's really what I think all of us want. We just go about preserving it differently, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Well, and I, I totally agree with you. And part of me wonders if any of them had ever met Zeke before because <laughs> as Julia is telling Camille like you got to talk to him nobody's going to make Zeke Braverman do anything that he absolutely does not want to do yeah. like they can talk till they're blue in the face nobody's just going to convince him by yeah. anything they say that he needs to have this you know it just took Amber saying something about life like what would still be happening for him to be like okay, well, maybe there are things that I still don't want to miss. Not, yeah. oh, you should have this surgery because, you know, A, B, and C can happen. And, you know, here yeah. are all the risks from here. You know, it's got to be about about life. And he ultimately is not going to do anything that he doesn't want to do. And I think Camille understood that, which yeah. is why she was not trying to be more of the head with it. And even when he said that he was going to do it, she's like, good. Yeah, she you doesn't. Know, and not like, yeah. oh, I'm so happy you're doing this. I was really worried good yeah she knows who she married yeah 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 i didn't even think about how the fact that he wants to do this when amber says she's pregnant it is such a great alternative to what everyone else is doing which is being technical about it and being logical about it and giving him stats and reasons and fruit tarts and <laughs> speedometers <laughs> is that way is that what it's called no a pedometer 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 <laughs> that's that's what everyone wants to do and amber is not trying to convince him to have the surgery she is just sharing news with him and that news makes him want to live yeah and you know to expand on the poem you read she's not reminding him that death is in the background yeah she's reminding him of life yes yeah oh. there it is that's beautiful yeah I love that. Slight sidebar. Yeah. You know what we haven't done in a while? What? Math. Okay. Oh, oh, so I might Zeke, know what this is about. So Zeke is turning 72. I, I don't have any revelations. I just, I'm really kind of observing. Okay. I have. Five years yeah. ago in season one, mm -hmm. Zeke said that he and Camille had been married for 46 years. Fascinating. Which would mean he got married around age 21. 
Okay. That's young, but certainly not unbelievable, especially for a man of his generation. I feel like that's a very standard age. Someone might have gotten married. Also, Adam said in season two that he was 41 Mm -hmm. when he got the new boss. And he says, I feel old. And Max says, how old are you? 41. 41. Yeah. My age now. So he's at the most 45 now. Yeah. Which means Zeke was 26 or 27 when he had his first child. Meaning he and Camille were married for a few years before having any kids. And, you know, if I had really done my homework, I could have figured out. What years would that have been? And could he have been deployed? Like, did they get married and then he went to Vietnam and didn't have kids until he came back? Fascinating. I I don't know. No, that is interesting. Here was my math-related observation. I went back to the road trip episode in season three because I remembered, I, I just think it's weird how this show keeps insisting on announcing everyone's age when it's their birthday. Yeah, Yeah, so they kept saying, Zeke, 72, 72. And I thought, what a random age for everyone to be marveling over. It's not like he's 70 or 75 or like a milestone. Like, oh, can you believe he's 72? It doesn't seem real. I don't know. I just thought that was like interesting. You tend to do that more at the milestones. Whatever. They kept saying his age. Blanche turned 86 in season three, Zeke's mom. So now she's probably, what, 88, 89 maybe? She had Zeke at 16? I guess that's possible for their generation, but I I did the math there where I was like... Yeah. That's... What's the story there, Blanche? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know. That just felt bonkers. And I'm like... Maybe that's why she hates him. <laughs> maybe he ruined her life. There it is. <laughs> yeah. I just remember thinking, why are you shouting out everyone's age? You should be a little bit more vague about it so that people like us don't start a podcast and start like holding you <laughs> accountable for those ages <laughs> and like doing math. <laughs> also, wasn't it Zeke's birthday in Vegas? Like, was that just an early celebration? And he wasn't actually in danger of being in the hospital on his actual birthday, in which case just spend the night in the hospital because my real birthday's next week. We're going to have a whole thing. Unless it was like, you know, Sarah Zeke midweek getaway on his actual birthday. And then he comes home for the weekend party with the fam. Yeah. But then I'm like, why is everyone putting together his present after his actual birthday? Like, I don't know. Huh? It doesn't matter. Doesn't, All good question. Doesn't Zeke deserve two birthday episodes? Of course. Why not? <laughs> this reminds me of a quote from Scream 4. Yes. You're overthinking it. Am I or did whoever make it just underthink it? Yeah. <laughs> That's good. Well, man, the second you see that Zeke and Amber are going to have a scene together, it. it's like, forget it. And they didn't disappoint. I no, thought it was it's very wonderful. lovely. What are you doing? <laughs> I'm getting away from the stupid fruit tart. That's what I'm doing. <laughs> Me too. Can I sit down? You sure? Oh, boy. Oh, dear. This isn't about my heart condition, is it? I'm pregnant. Are you disappointed in me? Oh, baby, no, oh, sweetheart, it's incredible, it's wonderful, it's the most beautiful thing in the world, you get to hold your, your child, it's magic, 
I'm gonna be a great granddad. And <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna be a mom. <laughs> Which is crazy. <laughs> Zeke knocking it out of the park on what you do when someone tells you you have this unplanned pregnancy. <laughs> yeah. It's almost yeah. like he's done it before. That's true. Yeah. I wonder if he was as supportive when Sarah. I told wonder him. what he was like with Sarah. I bet. Although was she, she was married already, right? She was. I found myself wondering the same or thing. A question. I just assumed, but I'm not positive. It might have been why they got married. I mean, because she wasn't a single mom with them. I mean, Seth was around, just yeah. not super helpful. Yeah, they could have already been married, or they could have had the baby and like gotten married because they got pregnant i, I mean maybe the she, show tells she mentions us. going to the courthouse in a scort yeah and she she didn't mention having a child around so i don't think yeah they had had amber yet although did she allude to like i was carrying you at the time i can't remember that i don't remember i don't think so but i don't think so who knows yeah. But anyway, yeah, it was great. And I actually, I totally bought that that would, I mean, I actually, I felt like I saw the resolution coming from a mile away. And I don't know if it's because it was so obvious or I remembered it mm, yeah. on some level. But I thought it was perfect. I thought it was kind of the most believable way to convince him of all people yeah. that he's got to stick around for as long as he can. That like, even if your quality of life was bad. I mean, when he says, I'm going to be a great granddad, and I thought, only if you're alive for nine more months. Yeah. Or seven, I guess. Yeah. More math. If you don't make it there, you're not a great granddad. Yeah, that's true. And, you know, I don't know if the character is aware, but we are on a parenthood death watch. (laughs) He knows. That's why he doesn't want to get the surgery. (laughs) And, you know, this episode is really not (laughs) making it mysterious which character is the most likely to go, you know? Yeah. It's like all signs point to one character so far. Anyway. Which is why it could be very easily a red herring and it'll just be somebody else in an accident or, you know. It's true. Yeah. I wasn't sure about a theme for this episode and I hate to uh, disappoint anyone. All I could think of was people being presented with problems. Seek's heart condition, (laughs) Sydney's bullying, Amber's pregnancy, Christina's school lunches. I'm like, but dealing with problems is not a theme. Conflict is the essence of drama. <laughs> so I don't know. Maybe but... it's like things that you don't want to happen on your birthday. <laughs> That's a little more specific. Happy birthday, Zeke. Here's a heart surgery. <laughs> the title is ironic. I love it. Here's a great grandchild that was unplanned. <laughs> here's your granddaughter being a bully at school (laughs) happy birthday (laughs) or maybe oh you know okay this is good maybe it's lemons into lemonade Mm. like yeah the heart condition is not good but it convinces zeke to hang on a little longer well the heart condition doesn't the pregnancy does yeah convinces him to stay around a little longer sydney's bullying is terrible but it may open up a path for Joel and Julia to co-parent better than they have been. Yeah. They hint at that a little bit in their last phone call. The school lunch issue was a problem, Mm. but it did lead to them coming up with a solution that is maybe illegal, but (laughs) (laughs) fruitful. Yeah. 
glutenful. <laughs> Caseinful. <laughs> I just thought that the theme was getting back to the essence of what makes the show great. And I thought that when I saw Crosby and Jabbar in the recording booth together having a conversation, I'm like, when was the last time we saw that? I just felt like we kept seeing little moments that we hadn't seen in forever. And it just occurred to me, like halfway through the episode as I was watching it, I'm like, I love this. It's making (laughs) me so happy. And then I was really taken aback because I did not remember liking season six as much as I already am so far. So we'll see. But I think this is one of the strongest starts to a season ever. So I'm, I'm really excited. I'm a little cautiously optimistic because I'm like, I remember having mixed feelings. So we'll just see. But anyway, so far, at least it feels really nice to just kind of love it so much. I don't know. Am I overreacting? Did you guys love it? it like, did it just feel okay to you? Why do I love it so I much? I really liked it. Yeah. You know, I feel like there wasn't, <laughs> there wasn't necessarily <laughs> anything that I'm like, maybe like truly compelling storylines i just felt like you okay Aww. um there were just lots of little things that kept yeah. it going and that were enjoyable yeah yeah i really liked it too and you're right i i hadn't pinpointed it but it did have a similar feeling to like the thanksgiving episode yeah. sort of or um what was it called? Family portrait when they say goodbye to Hattie yeah. or maybe the Christmas one. Although that I just think of Christina's video and the stupid Santa storyline. Yeah. Anytime where it's like, we're just going to get all the Bravermans together. Yeah. Road trip is another good one. Yeah. Where it's like a lot of it. We're kind of just hanging out with them. Yeah. And that's what I and love. If, yeah. And that is, is very enjoyable. Yeah. And I was aware of the fact that even though there were guest stars, it felt like we didn't spend much time with anyone who wasn't one of our main characters. Yeah. Like, it's like the te- the teacher had one scene. The doctor had one scene. Hank had one scene. Yeah. Like, Hank, and it's like, that was kind of it. Hank didn't go to Zeke's party, which I thought was interesting. Like I figured he probably would, but I was fine with it. <laughs> yeah. Wow. And now, sorry to backtrack so much, but that two months thing. Yeah. That applies to Sarah and Hank too. They've yeah, only been dating been again dating. for two months. That's it. They they feel like they've been together a lot longer, which I would maybe buy because they've been together before. So yeah. they're not starting from square one. That but checks out. Yeah. The timeline is a little fishy. I think they want us to feel like six months or more have passed. But yeah. But they got that freaking Somehow date. Amber's only two months along. <laughs> so anyway. Well. Lindsay, it was great to have you as always. It really was. Thanks for bearing with me. If I was quiet at spots, listeners, it's because the sick baby is in with me. Oh, <laughs> there she is. Right on cue. Oh, that's so sad. Her little, her little Just voices. trying to uh, keep that editing to a minimum for you, Katie. <laughs> Hi, Avery. Hi, Avery. Oh, look at this. Parenthood recording with parenthood happening right in front of us. <laughs> it's really sweet. Well, and I told, I texted Caleb a few weeks ago. Hey, I, yeah. <laughs> I frequently listen to the podcast uh, in the car and Austin is often with me. Uh, and you guys start to laugh, which then makes her laugh, oh. which makes it feel like I'm that she's listening along with me, which I really love. I love that too. <laughs> that makes me so happy. Uh, is our podcast older 
than what? Austin is. Like she was born during the like halfway through probably, right? Like uh 2021. Yeah. yeah. We started in 2020. That's wild. Wow. Yeah. Uh, oh, well, thank you again. And I'm sorry that you had to record while your baby was sick and <laughs> thanks for sticking with me. Yeah, thanks for sticking with us. Uh, speaking of sticking with us, everybody, you can, <laughs> I don't know, you can check us out on social media and stick with us some more. Um, we're on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram, Parenthood Pals everywhere. And you can always find us at our website, parenthoodpals.com. Until next time, may God bless and keep you always. And may your wishes all come true. <laughs>